In this episode, Ryan and I discuss premium equaling income, and then we wind up talking an awful lot about HELOCs, first position, second position, leverage, arbitrage, and we had fun doing it. I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. And uh, we're just having fun talking like we always do, and we appreciate you listening in. What are we going to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Well, so we do have a topic for the day, but I do want to make make a little point here that now that the podcast is, what are we, at least 15 episodes in, who knows by the time this one gets Well, out, yeah, yeah, but they're not all released. Right, right, right. Oh, but by the time they hear this, it will be released. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. So we're starting to get going. I think people are starting to get an idea of how we discuss things. And if you haven't noticed, we're not very politically correct. Uh, what? So it, it can happen that- I vote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's going to, who's going to, you know, pay for I don't know, but it can happen that people get offended or they, oh my gosh, they're, you know, we might touch third rails, but yeah, that's going to happen. So just a little public service announcement. We barely touch third rails. I mean, I have some third rail thoughts and content, (laughs) but for what, for, for what we do talk about, we do, you know, talk about some of the third rails and maybe some of the things that aren't talked about that should be. Right. So hopefully that's the goal. But no one should. Yeah. Are you saying people get angry or what are you saying? I just, you know, there's Offended? the occasional comments, the emails sometimes, right? The, mm. um, well, most you know, of, we're both pretty direct and forward about what we're thinking. And yeah, it might come you. off as like the only what we say is true and everything else is wrong. But. Well, might be the case, nah, might not be, but that's not necessarily the case, what I'm trying to say. You're trying to be offended if we offend you, I think. I mean, you're a nice guy. Mm, I like I, that, yeah. I'm a nice guy. And it's, Most you know, of the time. love peace and chicken grease. We love everyone. <laughs> but, yes, okay, so today the topic. And um, assume at angelic intentions. Right. So, and I got to say, Try most of the comments that. are very, very cool. If you have a comment that's ugly, you know, I mean, you don't have to agree with us, mm-hmm. but. You can disagree with us, and perfect. Let's do it quietly. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you if you're ugly about it, I mean, we will. I'll, I'll mute you. I mean, I'll take it off and mute because I'm not interested in. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm interested in conveying good ideas and 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 uh, iron sharpens iron. But but it is cool. Some of the comments we a lot of it is uh, pretty uh, laudatory. They're they're nice about it. They're so, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and they don't necessarily even though agree. even the backhanded compliments are you know they can't help <laughs> themselves but get a little dig in but you know the general tone is nice sure so yeah. Yeah. I mean our That's general tone cool. is nice it's direct but mm-hmm. and, and maybe a little bit passionate sometimes a little bit um, I anyway. mean I, I convey everything in complete calmness <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah sure. <laughs> Uh, so today's subject, uh, the idea that your premium that you're paying to and dividend paying whole life policy structured for the infinite banking concept or to your system of policies, the idea that, that your total premium should equal your income, right? So we've got a little passage here. We can hold up the book, right? So fifth edition, black cover, hard copy, Nelson Nash. Becoming, Becoming your, own, your banker. own banker, right? All right, so I'm on page 48, and I'm sure everybody listening has a copy of this book, so you can flip to it. 
sort of kidding, but not really. All right, but page 48. <laughs> I'm confused. The, the, this section is called Expanding the System to Accommodate All Income. And so I'm going to read this little passage because this is where this question comes from, and then we can break it down. So he says, it always sounds a bit strange to people when I say premiums and income should match. Let's start with a very basic fact. Doesn't all your money go to somebody else's bank now? When you get your paycheck, what do you do with it? Right, you deposit it in someone else's bank. Then you write checks against it to buy the things that you want in life. While it is in the bank, the banker lends your money to someone else and makes a good living doing it. So that's the little introductory passage. There's more. Right? <coughs> what page is that? That page 48. Page 48. Becoming your own banker. Yeah. I got it. Okay. But the idea is, especially if someone's investigating the infinite banking concept, they've read the book, they're looking to get started, they're thinking about premium level. Well, Nelson says right here, my premium and income should match. Like what? So is that possible? Is that what I should be aiming for? Can I do that today? Can I do it this year, this month? Uh, how long is it gonna take to do it if I ever get there? Do That's people do that? <laughs> so I'm sure you get the same question. What, what, how do you respond? How do you start off by responding? Yeah, that, I mean, that comes up an awful lot or frequently. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and, and it tells me, or, you know, just when you hear that and that's where you want to start, it just tells me that you need to continue learning, right? There's 92 pages in that book. There's more, you know, <laughs> reading, okay? And there's a lot of concept in there that's simple, simple and uh, you need to embrace the, the concept. And theoretically, right, the thought process continued. Can you get there? Yeah, you can, but that's, in my opinion, not where you start at all. So I kind of, I personally, I mean, talking off the ledge, it's like, yeah, can you do that? Sure, you that can be done, but that is not where you start. And don't even, there's so much that is important before you get to depositing your check into a life insurance policy. And, you know, hell, why don't we just go get a HELOC and get out of debt? With, I'm just so digressing a little. Um, well, I'll point out where this is situated in the book, right? So it's in part three. It's right after Nelson's discussed the various methods of acquiring the use of an automobile, right? We've gone with methods A through E, paying cash, the CD method, uh, leasing, paying cash, the IBC method. So he's just gone through all of that. And then there's this additional note, and it's short, only two pages, really like one and a quarter if that yeah. that's in my mind meant to fulfill the like what he wanted to accomplish which was adding scale right so nelson had said said to us many times that you know he just discovered that your need for finance is greater than your need for death benefit and understood the idea of dividend paying whole life and added scale all right so i think that's I kind of see that here. It's like, okay, if we're fully, if we if we can fully get into the idea of becoming your own banker, well then, yeah, we would want as much of what's coming into us to go to our, your, the individual's bank, right? Uh, so I get it. I get that people want to do it. And sure. Uh, 
it, it's actually pretty frequent that it, an individual who wants to do infinite banking, who's listened to probably this podcast, read the book, wants to pay so much in premium on their first policy that the life insurance company says, hey, slow down. <laughs> what are you Jack? doing? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> right. So <clears throat> Y'all gonna kill that boy? <laughs> <laughs> so there is financial underwriting when you're applying for a life insurance policy and the companies do restrict how much premium they'll let an individual pay. And guess what? It's less than 100%. <laughs> Every <right>? time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, it's less than 100% of your income. So so you're not going to get there, even if you wanted to, if you and could. People ask, well, what, you know, what would need to be in place? What would need to happen to get to that point? Well, a lot of time would have to go by, right? This is something that you can potentially get to down the line. You have to have tremendous control over your cash flow, both incoming and outgoing. You need to be able to control when you make payments on things like uh, maybe it's the mortgage, maybe it's whatever other sort of business expense you might have on a month to month or whatever the uh, frequency at which these bills come due. You got to have a lot of control over that, right? So that you can have you ha so that you have the time to make the premium payment, accumulate the cash value, borrow against it, receive the policy loan, and make that payment. Right, so that requires a lot of control over your outflow. Most people just don't have that because it's not taught that that's something that you might want to control. And then you've also got to have a lot of control over your income because and when you receive it, so that you can make the the premium payments that you want to make. Right, so. Just saying there's a lot that has to come into place that's unseen, that's unspoken before you can get to that level. But I commend that desire to want to pay as much premium as possible. I get that for sure. You can't have too much capital. I tell people that all the time. And I just ask the question, can you, can you have too much capital? Uh, no. No, no, I can't. Right, and you can't, and that's true. Can't have too much capital because Everybody underestimates their need for finance, their need for access to capital, right? It's infinite. Where'd that word come from, right? That, so you have a unlimited need for capital, which means you have an unlimited uh, need to pay premium. The only way to build that capital, to build the cash value is to pay the premium. So really, at the at the end of the day, the problem is your income's too low. <laughs> <laughs> is that the problem? You, you and well, me and everybody go. needs to go make some more money. Oh, practice capitalism. Absolutely, Sorry. and that's a, another. And we just did a episode on simplicity, and that is one of the nice things that falls out. Like once you fully understood infinite bank, it's like, oh, you're saying all I have to go do is use my God-given abilities and talents to go generate as much value for other people as possible in order to generate as much revenue as possible and i just got to put as much of that into my own system as i can got to go somewhere that's your money must reside somewhere right right, right. Yeah. so i get it i understand it it takes time a lot has to go into has to be in place before you get to that point um and you'll find out as you're talking with someone who hopefully has fully understood and practices the infinite banking concept has gone through the nelson nash institute practitioner program right when you talk to that individual you'll work through what the right premium level is to start at right 
Um, but suffice to say, it's less than 100%. Yeah, you're not going to start there from underwriting. And even yeah. really conceptually, it's hard to. And that's okay. And then I tell people, no. look, greater than we want greater than zero. Right? More capital than you had yesterday is the goal. Right? And so we've got some people who are young. They may have limited income generating ability, or maybe they have a, a, a family obligations. They have to make substantial ex- payments for whatever might be medical expense, what have you. You know, certain people are only able to pay so much in premium, and that's fine. Right? People ask, well, are there minimums? Or are there maximums? And it's like, no, not really. You know, we we need to we want to capture as much of your cash flow to accumulate as much capital as possible within the the logistics of your situation, right? So that we don't make things too difficult or leave you without the without the liquidity you might need to make uh, one of these monthly expenses, right? Uh, and you work that out. You work that out in conversation with a qualified practitioner. Um, but. And I, I admire the desire to want to channel all of your income into premium. I mean, that's that's cool. And we're going to find out how legitimate that desire is when it comes time to write the check. Separate the men from the boys. It's all conversation mm. until, you know, it's time to write the check. See those numbers and that bank account go down, right? And you know, it takes some time to build up that cash value. It's not going to happen overnight, right? So it's, yeah. Anyway, very good. Let's um, let's talk about that, mm-hmm. or continue to talk about that. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Um, and I agree with you. I think that was a continuation of a thought process. And um, I, I mean, it's a natural. Just further out the concept, you take the concept to its nth degree. The premium and income should equal i asked nelson one time about that Mm -hmm. several years ago and i'm like nelson you know about this premium you know income equaling premium how how do you even do that and 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 i'm perplexed you know how do you how do you do that it's a legitimate question it's a legitimate theory it's a legitimate um, expansion of the infinite banking concept um but how do you do that and and he he said well well, James, if, if the dividend is being applied to the PUA, or actually, first said he said, James, is that dividend being applied to the yeah to the PUA is that premium? And I said, yes. Okay, <clears throat> here if I gotta back up, I asked him about that. He said I was wrong. I said, Nelson, um, you know, how, how does this premium? In, in income equal how can my income equal premium how do you get there and he said well your your premium should exceed your income say that one more right. time your premium should exceed <laughs> your income okay so i'm trying to wrap my mind around going, what <laughs> <laughs> no question um so i'm trying to wrap my mind around that and 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 then he's like oh dumps it you know no you're you know, your premium should exceed your income. And then I'm like, well, how, 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 how is that even possible? How do you get there? And then he said, well, the dividend being applied to the LPUA, is that dividend premium to that policy? And I said, yes. He's like, okay. I'm like, okay, that's legitimate. So, and, and I want to say that that's the, the correct direction. That is not where you start. Nelson, 
uh, had 49 policies before he graduated. Mm-hmm. Right? And, I mean, he accumulated, accumulated. He funded. He purchased. He went through underwriting. He bought, you know, 49 policies. And and it, he couldn't get that done with one policy, right. number one. So one policy is not going to do it. He talks and says that it takes the average, you know, all-American family about 14 years just to get rid of the snakes and the dragons. Okay, and then and then you go through the the five legitimate ways of enjoying an automobile. Mm-hmm. All right, look at the volume of interest that's going away from you, and then here we get the a natural expansion of that is all of your money, all yep. of your income. Right, so I'm with him, and I'm just saying that it took him 14 years to get rid of the snakes and the dragons. Um, how can my premium exceed my income? And he just pointed out the mere fact that the dividend is premium when it's applied to the PUA. And we often, you know, Nelson was a <laughs> was a pilot, an mm-hmm. aviator. And uh, if we took off, say we're going to fly from California to Florida. I mean, all we have to do is point the plane east once we take off. Now we've got to make some minor adjustments between California and Florida we're going to wind up in New York or Cuba, right? So you got to get going in the right direction, right? And then continually make those adjustments. And you'd be surprised how much of your premium you would, or how much of your income would wind up paying premium. Mm-hmm. That's just not where you start. Um, I mean, that's kind of my input. We're talking out loud about that. I, I like it because I had a, so didn't go to church but watched a sermon last weekend and the pastor happened to make the statement that i liked and he said it is not intention but direction that determines where you end up in life and so i think that i love that and if someone fully adopts the infinite banking concept it really sinks in for them and you start paying substantial premium you're initiating that direction. You're, you're, you've, you've, you've pointed to Florida. You've pointed to where you want to go. So oh, my point is that over time, there's going to be a natural tendency that that premium level is going to rise. Right? There, there will be another policy. If you're fully practicing infinite banking, if you're expanding your system as income rises to justify another policy, there, you will naturally approach what Nelson's talking about here where premium should be equal to income. Um, so I think it's that it's something that's you know, we don't have to pursue it right now. And, and I understand the pressure to want to, you know, people who really get it are like, gosh, I should have done this 20 years ago. No, your parents, 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 parents should have done it when they were alive. Well, the whole life was around back then. Right. And so really, everybody should have got start. Everybody's family should have started a century ago, but they didn't. And it's fine. And. So I get the pressure, I get the, the desire to want to accumulate that cash value as quick as possible. We got to remember Nelson's admonition: don't be afraid to capitalize. Uh, you know, don't be af- understand that it's not all going to happen overnight, and that's okay, right? We're moving in the right direction, and it's the direction, not your intention, that's going to determine where you end up. If you continue to practice the infinite banking concept and continue to surround yourself with uh, clarification and affirmation confirmation of what the 
infinite banking concept is by rereading becoming your own banker listening to podcasts right you, you will naturally see that yeah, take premium level action rise and don't forget rate. action you know don't be afraid to capitalize go through underwriting you know get a policy in force and pay a premium absolutely and then, and yeah get use to it. it you know um two you know look the the um the brick and mortar bank has you know a drive through window so you talk about ultimate liquidity. I mean, you know, that's pretty liquid. They have a lot of digits on their computer screens mm-hmm. and some paper currency in their vaults. But my point is um, they're they're highly liquid. They have tellers. They have a drive-through window. The life insurance companies, they're life insurance companies. You know, they have service associates and what have you, but they don't have a drive-through window. No. They don't have tellers, you know. They're not um, functioning as a commercial bank. Now, you can, you know, we can look at the activity of a bank, the movement of money, deposits, withdrawals, loans, loan repayments. And we look at the activity of a life insurance company, all right, premiums, investments, returns, withdrawals, loans, loan repayments. And then, look, we look at what's going on the in the uh, financial world, the brokerage house or whatever. You know, there's money going in, cash flows in, cash flows out, there's investments. And, you know, you can, you can dang near change the name above the door on a life insurance company and a bank, and all the gophers inside are doing the, what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. All right, but the uh, life insurance company doesn't have a drive-through window. You do have access to... A portion of your cash values and in the first years in the years one there is no cash value and whole life insurance or very little in the first two years of all whole life insurance so if i want to pay a, my whole income in year one right into a premium um, there's going to be a loss of liquidity i mean it's for a time period right, but there's still a loss of liquidity in year one so you have to compensate for that loss of liquidity i don't care what you're doing um, and but not and, total loss, right? It's no, not there's like not. Zero there's not cash a cash value. There's right. substantial cash value, no question. But. No, no question. I mean, these policies are structured once, you know, you get past the need for death. But if they, these policies are structured for cash, so I'm assuming that the listener is pretty savvy and they mm. know they've listened before and they've read and um, they're pretty smart people listening. So anyway, um, my point is this, that can that be done? Yes, it can be done. But man, can we can we get the first policy in place first? Right. Can we master that asset? Can we take over some That's outside credit? You know, huge, or, or yeah. whatever we're gonna do anyway. Huge point, absolutely. Because people are thinking. I was talking to somebody recently, and we're talking through premium payment levels. And he's young, will be married soon, and so they're thinking about getting a house, right? Well, hadn't even considered the devastating effect of that mortgage that they will have on their financial situation, right? And so we're sitting here talking about accumulating income or accumulating capital and using IBC potentially to supplement passive income in, in later years, all of which perfectly legitimate. But I'm like, hold up, young man, you know, because this individual happens to be in the Northeast of the US where housing prices are extreme right so it's going to be a more extreme than the south or it's going to be a huge like a substantial amount financed through a mortgage it's like okay you know that needs to we need to put that front and center that the 
we need to clear that note as quick as possible to limit the amount lost in the form of interest and finance charges. Just look at an amortization table on a mortgage. You know that. So my point is that there are things that is not immediately on that are not immediately on the radar that we need to be worrying about long before we're talking about you know getting premium to equal income uh, oh yeah they, you mentioned the mortgage but i mean we can you know before that uh, you know vacation do you need to vacation? no that probably vacation shouldn't necessarily come before mortgage <laughs> automobiles you know you, you need to drive somewhere to exchange your all all your hard work and god-given abilities and talents and mm-hmm. intellect and experience for that income that you're going to shovel over to the mortgage lender mm-hmm. but you know maybe access to capital um maybe i maybe i need a you know six month or three months or you know however much liquid that that whatever dollar amount that may be how about we accumulate capital first mm-hmm. right somewhere that that's for our benefit today yeah. and in the future and then you know oh, okay now that we have access to capital maybe we have more capital than than we typically or would or did have previously um i think when you have access to capital it becomes clear how to deploy it and how to utilize it and how to integrate it into everything that you're doing and mortgage is just one example you know mm-hmm. real estate whatever it is um before we ever get to premium and income equaling let's get through the discipline of putting a life insurance policy in force it's correctly tailored to us and our family and what it is we're doing right i think it becomes crystal clear on how to over time it becomes crystal clear on how to how to master that asset you know how how do you like to i mean i have clients that they don't want to do anything but watch the cash value pile up watch the death benefit yeah absolutely i have you know we all have you put 100 people in the room they're doing 150 things and about 90 percent of them are really cool uh, that other 10 percent they're listening to things they shouldn't maybe i don't know so i'm just saying that um can it be done yes uh is that the correct direction to go in yes and maybe you change your mind between here and there and don't want to continue down that path right um that is not where you start but i see a lot of that i hear a lot of it quite often because here we are in august i hope this is released relatively quickly but there's heloc 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 is really i see a lot of that i mean we had we even have a question that we hadn't responded to yet Mm. um hey james do you got james ryan do you guys carry helocs on your mortgages and is it a first or a second something like that and it's Mm -hmm. like um maybe we need to release the uh proper categorization of capital yeah you know so for to back up a little bit for what we're talking about here there's the idea out there that a mortgage is an inefficient way to finance the acquisition of real estate no question no disagreement there and so others have pointed out well look mortgages haven't always been the way that people acquired houses and say 100 years or more ago in the early early 20th century what you could do was get what's called a first lien position HELOC. So it's just a different particular sort of credit instrument to finance the purchase of this particular piece of real estate. Uh, it so happens that 
if you do that, then compared to a mortgage, there will be less dot less dollars by volume lost in the form of interest and finance charges to the lender. So, you know, I come from an economics background, so the question's always compared to what. So, yeah, is a first lien position HELOC better than a mortgage? Sure. Okay. Now, let's, let's take it one step higher. You know, go thirty thousand foot level. Back up. All we're talking about here is that when we get back to the subject of capital accumulation, because that's really what we're talking about. If a HELOC is preferable to a mortgage because you're losing less money, the the inverse implication is that therefore you're you're keeping more of your capital, right. right? So it's a it's a question about capital, and we're saying okay, so HELOC's relatively better than a mortgage. Okay, sure. Well, now let's compare a HELOC to what else is out there. Right. If we truly want to optimize the capital accumulation f uh, function, right? And if we compare a first lien position HELOC to a system of dividend paying whole life insurance policies built for the infinite banking concept, we end up where we could have started from, which was <laughs> no that question. the infinite banking concept is the best way, period, bar none, no exceptions, it's the rule, the best way to build and use capital. Okay. And so the internet marketers, oh my gosh, let's, you know, pummel people with the Facebook ads and the YouTube and the Google ads about, you know, you only need to pay 10 or $12,000 or whatever it is. I don't know what the dollar amount is to take a course, to learn how to, which bank to call. And of course it's super complicated. So you're going to need help that you have to pay the for expert. to do it, to do it right. You're going to find the right bank. And then you got to find a banker at the bank who understands what you're talking about. Good luck. You can do it though. I'm sure people have done it. I know people have done it, but it's, so it's possible. You're, so you'll pay for that. You're gonna spend the however many hours it takes to learn that, okay? There's a cost to that. Time has value. It's the most valuable asset. The value's probably higher than you think it is, but so there's that part, right? And like you've said before, real estate people in particular, for some reason, seem to undervalue the they always the, the, undervalue the their, of their time, time in the yeah. deal, no question. So always. there's there's that. There's the actual out of pocket expense to learn the thing. Then there's the actual time to implement it, and then you go through all of that. And you sit down and read becoming your own banker, and it's like, dang, <laughs> could have gone to Amazon, paid thirty dollars, spent four hours to read a ninety two page book, and changed my mind about how money works. And no, you can go to bankoflife.com and we'll cover the shipping. <laughs> I'm like, I'm shameless plug. I'm you know, okay. <laughs> Um, listen, I just want to know if my income and premium should equal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a thorough economics lesson, which I greatly appreciate. And, and too, I want to say that, and I completely agree with you, well-articulated young man. If I had a 30-year mortgage, and if I had a mortgage, it would be a 30-year mortgage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, just think about that. And, and I get my, personally, where I'm at age 56 and blah, 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 blah. I'm paying depreciating dollars over that 30 year. Tell me, tell me what that mortgage dollar amount is going to be worth in 30 years. If it's worth a thousand dollars today, and what's what is that payment going to be worth in 30 years? It's not going to be pretty. Mm -hmm. All right, then of course real estate it always goes up, right? It only goes. I'm by Strasa. One way. Yeah. So <laughs> another feature of why building capital in real estate is per se inferior to dividend paying whole life. There is no upper limit on how far the cash value. Well, okay. There's, say you make it to age 121, and 
you live to be 121 in a day or 122. And so, may, okay, then the life insurance company will send you the check for the death benefit, right? So, okay, theoretically, there's an upper limit on how much cash value you could build in one policy. But as soon as you start adding multiple policies, there is no limit on your total accumulated, aggregated amount of cash value that you can have. It's infinite. Okay, but the value children, of real estate they have children. is limited. No question. And you're going to run into that limit long before you run into a limit within a particular policy with IBC, right? Well, listen, wait, 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 jump over and, there. And you don't even control the value of the house, right? <laughs> that goes up and down, doesn't it? Isn't that cyclical? I mean, real estate. There's you, so you, many. You, you talk about the Northeast and the real estate values in the Northeast. Man, I look around driving from home to work, and it's like, oh, my gosh, these people are crazy asking these prices for real estate. Yeah. So it's not just in the north. Maybe it's worse there. Right. But so the, the value the, of your capital will go up and down. <laughs> exactly. And you can't control okay. it. So you've lost compounding mm-hmm. interest you've, or compounding growth. You but I have don't a cash have the flow. control. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and everybody was born to be a real estate property manager, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I managed one Airbnb and it's like... <laughs> That's enough, okay. <laughs> Not everybody oh, has a just, cash flow. I'll just buy a. I'll just buy this house and rent it out, and the money will just come in. And I won't have to work, right? That's the big pitch online. I can't stand this nowadays. Is going, you know, oh, learn how to make two thousand four hundred fifty-seven dollars and sixty-eight cents by sitting on your couch from over the weekend. <laughs> That's really where it goes, right? Something for nothing. That's what. Isn't it that is. where uh, <clears throat> direct marketing generally uh, has its basis from? Mm-hmm. Something for nothing. Just let me. Can you send me some mailbox money? Yeah, you know, and that's how all of this HELOC mortgage stuff is pitched right oh yeah you don't have easy. to do anything just switch the paper master yeah. the paper yeah yeah, yeah property yeah. Or take like, care don't of deposit there deposit here and then you, you know you're gonna velocity with velocity you're gonna pay less interest yeah and, and look i'm again i'm gonna it work it's, yeah. yeah and it compared to what yeah is it better than a mortgage sure sure but if we want to talk about optimal capital accumulation then we need to broaden the discussion beyond just real estate um you know, at the end of the day, and mortgages only with a policy loan, only with a policy loan, is it the case that the lender is also the guarantor of the value of the collateral? Well, why is that important? Uh, that it's the only perfectly collateralized transaction out there. Okay, so look, if you if you have a HELOC, you still have to ask permission, right? There's a you have to fill out the application. There's going to be a LTV loan to value ratio that you can't go beyond, right? You can only get so much of what you've got. So what happens if the market corrects? The real estate market corrects, and the LTV is automatically shrunk. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just. Asking. Or if the particular lending institution gets bought out, and maybe the new one calls the old loans due, what? right? Yeah. So all the, there's all these various a liquidity trap. Put it this way: there's because. In all other areas of lending outside of IBC and the policy loan transaction, because the value of the collateral in all other credit transactions is fundamentally uncertain, there will always be, always be a risk of loss. And those who have the gold make the rules. So the lender with the gold, the lender who's going to give you the credit to finance whatever it is you're going to do, is going to write the rules, and they're probably not going to be written in your favor. So you're going to comply. <laughs> so I'm just so when you ask the question, okay, well, why, why does that matter? Why does it yeah. matter that in, in IBC we have a perfectly collateralized transaction? It, it matters because 
the individual then by contract can regain, retain, maximize all control around the, the entire capital formation and use process, right? So there's no lengthy applications to get to the money. It's here's my routing and account number, send it. Well, there's no, what are you gonna use it for? There's no hostile bill collections departments. There's no uh, mandatory repayment schedules, right? There's nobody hunting you down. There's no reporting to the credit agencies, you know, what's your number? Uh, there's, <laughs> there's none of that, What right? is your number? It, it, you have total control over when you borrow, how much you borrow, when to repay, if you repay, right? It's, don't steal the peas, not saying you should intentionally run a policy loan balance, but look, if you're, you're the banker, you're in control, you're late in life, maybe you wanna use a policy loan to supplement passive income. I don't know, you've got the authority to do that, right? And no one's coming down your back going, saying, well, why, you know, well, you have to so apply and ask permission. So you maybe I should do a policy loan, put as much in, take as much out, and pay it down, pay it down, mm. put as much in, take it out. <laughs> I feel like I'm a spectator. <laughs> yeah, so look, you could go through that process, right? I could go through, I could pay the money, take the courses, oh learn how to get into the the first lien position HELOC and get out of the mortgage, or you just leave the mortgage in place, build as much capital as possible in dividend paying whole life, and then transfer via policy loans that debt from the mortgage company over to the life insurance company. Pay it off when I'm ready. And you pay it off when you're ready. Maintain control. And your income allows. <clears throat> then if my wife doesn't make mortgage payments or loan repayments, I'll repossess it from her. <laughs> <laughs> it just, you know. But that's, yes, so that's, no, that's good we brought, that's, yeah. No, I mean, you know, we it's unscripted, so we have a you know a starting point. Mm-hmm. I love it because that is taught out there. You know, if you if you manage to do the HELOC transition, well, you can just funnel all your income through it. Yeah, right. Put as much in there as possible. So same principle: income equal what? What now? It's I guess HELOC repayments. I, um, I don't know. I, I and two, you know, talking about the HELOCs being like almost you can't go anywhere in the financial world and infinite banking world without you know, HELOCs coming up, right? Getting out of debt and leverage and like there's some magic in loans and, um, <clears throat> and you know, which, which also kind of speaks to income and, and premium equaling, right? You know, you're just trying to get as much Ooh, out as you put possibly it this way. can. Suppose you <laughs> do went through this process and you have a HELOC yeah. and you've gone through becoming your own banker and you got a whole life policy. Yeah. You have, pick a number, $5,000 on your hands. You gonna pay the premium or are you gonna pay the HELOC bill? Yeah, right. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Right. So no not don't want to keep the answer from you, but I it mean, should be a premium payment. It, well, Make no, the premium it, it payment. It depends on what's going on in the real estate world, you know. Um, right? I'm just saying if, if I can have <laughs> if I can have the cash value that would come from a five thousand dollar PUA payment versus the increased equity I would have with a five thousand dollar HELOC repayment. I'm paying the premium all day. Well, look, you can leverage that equity again if you wanted to. I, was, I, could take a, I could take a policy loan and then go pay the HELOC if I really wanted to, if I thought it was so good. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you you know you pay five thousand down on the on the on the HELOC, you know, um, and and I'm just all that equity winds up in the real estate. Mm-hmm. I mean, we carry that out the HELOC, right? It, all you're out of debt. The yeah. loan's paid off. Your mortgage is paid in full. There is no first, second, third. Yeah, and the, well, let me say this too, because the the HELOC <laughs> people are into this stuff, right? Oh They're like, gosh. oh, it's good. So let me be really clear. 
The value of the home is uncertain. The lender cannot guarantee the future value of real estate. Obviously, I mean, imagine if a mortgage lender could tell you what the value of your house is gonna be in 30 years. They can't because no one controls the real estate market because no, the value of the collateral is uncertain. <clears throat> I think it's fundamental. It, that, no, it, it's yeah. absolutely fundamental. And be, another fundamental point is that once that property or whatever it is, that item, we're talking about HELOC, so once that real estate, once your home is paid off, all of the equity, your money, is in the the equity of that real estate. Well, how, how are you going to access that equity if your house is paid off? How, how are you going to do that? Go collateralize it. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you jump through more hoops. Oh, you know, what is your number? <laughs> you know, what's your income to debt ratio? I mean, yeah. you just think that through. It's like, can you use HELOCs to get I mean, you can I can I can get out of debt with farm equipment. OK, I can get out of debt. I can practice banking with anything. Mm-hmm. All right. Is HELOC something that you can practice banking with? Sure. Is the mortgage lender that sent that put that HELOC in the in place for you going to send you the dividend that they that is generated as a result of their financial performance? Well, that okay. So let's let's talk about that. Mm. That that just means that that their banking institution pays dividends, and if they do pay dividends, they're sure not paying them to you because you're not the owner, no question. But maybe you can buy stock in that lending institution. Maybe the stock goes up in value. Mm-hmm. Maybe the stock goes off a dividend. So maybe, yep. maybe not. And the life insurance company, uh, the life insurance companies that we prefer work with, pay dividend every year and have over 115, 18, 20 years, 30 years of never failing to pay a dividend. Yep. Now you think about that. <clears throat> uh, and I know that this is, okay, 100 plus years. That covers the crash of 2008, 2001. The market crashes of in the 90s, the 80s, Black Friday, Black Monday, the oil crisis, Vietnam, okay, <laughs> Korea. You know, I, I skipped over Afghanistan, but, you know, the military-industrial complex had that all figured out now. I mean, by the time they got into Afghanistan, I'm just saying. Korea, World War Two, World War One. all right, the market I don't, I don't want to jump over 1929, that constructed crash that they drug out and beat to death, 32 and 33. Mm-hmm. Uh, the correction, I just seen Bob, uh, uh, see, you know, he's, he just released an article I haven't read yet. I've seen it this morning. You know, the, the market correction no one talks about that you don't know about, 1920, 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and then we get to World War One. Right, and the Federal Reserve, 1910, the Panic of 1907, the Panic of 1893. So I'm just saying, um, these life insurance companies have paid these dividends over a long period of time. Through the, all of that. All of that. And some of the life insurance companies um, paid their dividends in gold before 1935. Mm, wow. Just to make a point. <laughs> now, that's kind of that's the kind of philosophy that I respect. <laughs> Okay, uh, I digress a little, and I. I but that's the quality of the industry. That's the quality of the of the particular product, the dividend paying whole life insurance policy. It's you know if you if you think through that whole break. that whole process of HELOC, you know you're just you're leveraging an asset and you're taking advantage of arbitrage. That's all you're doing. Yes. Right. The asset is the home. The arbitrage is, you know, the the HELOC, the daily rate that you pay against all the other debt that you're paying interest on. It's leverage and arbitrage. It's curious how the 
rate of return, rate of return, rate of return, right? So you get the fixed interest rates on the mortgage, but the variable interest rates on the HELOC, and suddenly, what? whether they're fixed or variable doesn't matter so much. But <laughs> now we talk about banking, I'm going to get hung up on that, right? <laughs> right. But not on the HELOC. Yeah. The, and, at the and, end of the day, the HELOC is an inferior method to capital, to for solving the need for capital accumulation and use compared to infinite banking. No and question. Just, it's not even typically used for capital accumulation. It's used right. to get out of debt. Mm. All right. So I, I completely agree with you. And you just think through the whole process and it's like, my gosh, how about I I have capital stacked up into a place in the entity that I own and control that, that's for my benefit, my family's benefit. And if I want to do whatever it is I want to do, I'll do it. And then I, I must say most of the people that, that buy into that program or it really resonates with them, the HELOC, first position, second position, get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt, is, is there, it's about the same um, thinking as the message of here, get life insurance, and then we're going to run through a bunch of debt through it as a, as a debt uh-huh. elimination program, which is legitimate. You can do that. So is a HELOC, legitimate. You can do that. You know, most of that debt did not get accumulated because somebody had Uber discipline. That's my point. And then if we're talking about capitalizing, paying premium into a life insurance policy and there's a loss of liquidity for a time period in the early years and it, and it goes away and, and it's worth it and, you know, you look, um, that requires discipline mm-hmm. to pay the premium. We said a minute ago, you know, it's all conversation until somebody writes a check. You know, then it's like, oh, this is real money. This is my, my money. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, And that's why it's so important to understand, I think, what we're doing here. You know, this is not about playing games with the different credit instruments out there. Uh, and look, I will say this too. People who, there are more people who have been in, down the HELOC rabbit hole who are friendly to infinite banking mm-hmm. than in the normal world out there. So not trying to beat them up per se, but... It is a little, it's certainly frustrating to me when if you're at an event or you're teaching a class or you're talking to somebody and you hear the excitement go up. Oh, yeah. The first lean position here. After we've been talking about the best thing in finance, becoming your own banker out there, right? It's like, look, I just, <laughs> I just wish that the, we, we, we could take it one level higher look more broadly and see that what we're doing here is optimizing our capital formation and use and and becoming your own banker and you're not becoming your own banker certainly one piece of evidence that you have not become your own banker if you've done the HELOC thing is that you're not getting the dividend from ABC HELOC lending company right that you you're not the part owner of that company right that's not a co-op it's not a mutual entity in the way that the mutual life insurance company is okay well what are we giving up you know anyway oh, i like it <clears throat> you got anything else um yeah to wrap it up here you want to do a heloc go, and it makes sense go do a heloc mm-hmm. is that the um you know is that the is that the best way to accumulate capital or practice capital formation 
No. We're not even talking about capital formation, man. We're we're still talking about getting out of debt. Typically, mm. get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt. So now you can start building capital. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. now it's mm-hmm. it's uh, very, you know, it's it's catchy, it's sexy, it's like interesting, um, a little flashy. Can it be done? Yeah, it can be done. The dividend paying whole life insurance, boring. You know, there's a joke, most people have probably heard it, that at the end of the world, at the apocalypse, there are going to be three things left remaining. Cockroaches, Twinkies, and mutual life insurance companies. (laughs) I mean, Twinkies and and, uh, cockroaches are more exciting and sexy than mutual life insurance companies, Mm. right? I'm just making the point that, man, that's a lot of noise and it's flashy. There's a lot of noise out there, a lot of flashy things. You know, I just... Let me pay a premium into an entity that I own and control. So I'm form- formulating capital, mm-hmm. and I have access to it by contract. Oh, wait, our, this whole civilization is based on contract. Yeah. And that's going to benefit me and my family. Man, if I want to take over a mortgage or take over the world, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. All right. Thanks for listening. I had fun. Absolutely. We'll see you next time.